On this episode, we smoke the Rojas Street Tacos Barbacoa, and we talk about the structure of the cigar industry. Buckle up, let's go for a ride. Burn Line Podcast. The burn line on a well-crafted cigar is straight and sharp as a razor, much like our wit and wisdom. And welcome everybody to Burn Line Podcast, brought to you not live from the smoky back room of Blanco Cigar Lounge, Union Cigars, Hanover, Pennsylvania, USA, where deals are struck and fortunes are made. Ladies and gentlemen, whoever and wherever you are in time and space, welcome to Burn Line. I'm your host, John Thacker Jr. Y me llamo Nicolás. And that's your other host, Nicholas McCain. <clears throat> For those of you that don't speak butchered Spanglish. Spanglish, yeah. I'm out of practice. So this uh, Rojas Street Taco. All right, so this is one of my favorite cigars, actually. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I love this cigar. So I'm excited that we get to get to smoke this one. Um, why don't we tell everybody a little bit about the cigar? Uh, we are smoking a 6x50 Toro. This cigar retails for nine fifty here at Union Cigar Hanover. Well, a box of 16 will cost you 137 which is a savings of $15. And uh, it is wrapped in an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper. And the binder and filler are Nicaraguan. This is, of course, blended by Noel Rojas at the Rojas Cigar Factory in Nicaragua. Um, so presentation. If we start with the cigar, we have what I would call a Colorado uh, wrapper. Uh, I know that's kind of an old school term but uh, in terms of color um, it has a uh, not oily wrapper there's basically no oil on feeler sheen um, low oil has this uh, orange um, band with the Dea de los Muertos skull with the uh, mustache that Kind of, kind of reminds me of me, actually. It's, it's super cartoony. It is super cartoony. There is uh, a very controversial band. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, it goes with street tacos. To me, it looks like absolutely the branding that would be on a street taco cart. These these old heads that smoke cigars have smoked cigars for like 30 years, though. They look at it, and they just walk right by it in the humidor because... They assume it's like, flavored oh, and infused. Yeah. yeah oh, you put a cartoon on a cigar? Yeah. yeah. Oh. No, I, I can see that. You know, like, it... It doesn't have the the uh, gothic script lettering and yeah. like the the shield or or maybe the uh, the maiden rolling tobacco. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, not uh, not traditional. I kind of like it though, and and it presents in a very modest box that matches the color and branding. I think it's. I, I really like the branding from a business standpoint. I can see where the serious cigar smoker, you know, might. Uh, accidentally walk by because it looks like it might be an infused product or or something. Yeah. On the other hand, if you are into cigars, you better know who Noel Rojas is, and you better know what the street taco is. So that's a little bit about the uh, about the cigar and the presentation. the The wrapper is uh, just kind of regular. You know, it's not uh, super fine. It's not rustic. Not it's just not, there. Not toothy. There are not no toothy. no bumps on it. No bumps on it does have the closed foot, and uh, this is a regular uh, Parejo shape. So, and I notice on the the band, it says in small lettering, small ring gauge only. And, of course, this is a 6x50. Yeah, this is a kind of a company theme for uh, Noel Rojas. Um, he, I think the 50 in the street taco is the largest size they make it. Um, and then I know for... His other blends, like the Blue Bonnets and the Statement, um, I think they also max out of 50. He really embraces the ideology of wrapper to filler ratio and getting the most out of that yeah. that wrapper leaf. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I know he's got um, quite a passion for cigars, and I think it's going to come through. I know it's going to come through because I've smoked a dozen of these, but uh, we'll, we'll smoke another one for the podcast. And this is the one with the... Orange band of the Barbacoa. This was the original, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And recently he came out with the Carnitas, and that is a lighter wrapper. It's still a full, medium full cigar. Yeah, Connecticut shade on that one. Yep. Um, this box is like, the box for the Barbacoa is a cactus green. Right. Yeah. And then the, the new one's like a, 
cheesy orange. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that is the introduction to the cigar. It is time for our official cut and light. We will begin by cutting our cigar. Brought to you by Union Cigar, Hanover, Pennsylvania, USA. Stop by and pick up a street taco barbacoa and find out for yourself. As always, we remind you to clip that cigar with authority. No limp-wristed cutting allowed. I'm using this. Someone gave me this cutter the other day. And it's like a... You've seen these like fan-fold... Zycar X1. Yeah. Is that the model? Well... Pretty much. It's either a Zycar X1 or a rip-off of a Zycar X1. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> There's a lot of rip-offs out there. Yeah. But uh, I don't I don't love these. What uh, is your concern with it? It's uh, maneuverability. I can't. I can't cut cut my cigar with one hand. Hmm. Like it's Interesting. Very, it's very tough. I can't to, to open it, and then it's just not like I'd much rather put my my fingers yeah. through the two slips on the side and just snap it shut. And we are doing the old taparoo. So for those of you that are just joining us, after clipping your cigar, you can turn it over and tap the head gently. On the back of your hand, I prefer to use the fleshy part of my hand between my thumb and first finger. And all that does is just loosen up all that dottle and small clippings and uh, keep them from getting on your tongue. And it's it's funny because we were just watching a YouTube video, very professionally done, a superb presentation and videography. And uh, the guy smoking the cigar takes his first puff. First thing he does, reaches into his mouth with three fingers and scrapes the shit off of his tongue, yeah, yeah. right? Pulls out a bale of tobacco. All right, right. Well, this can prevent that. Yeah. And it's time for our official lighting. Now, today we are going to introduce you to something a little different. So, Noel Rojas, the man himself who constructed this cigar, has said that the reason for the closed foot is because... The blender wants you to taste the wrapper. And so instead of a traditional roast, we are going to light the closed foot wrapper and take a puff and taste that wrapper before moving on to our traditional toasting of the cigar. Now, because Noel constructed this cigar and because he says this is the purpose of the closed foot, we are going to smoke it the way that he intended. Now, that's not to say that all closed foots uh, were put there for that reason. There's a lot of marketing and branding that goes into cigars. For example, I can't think of any good reason to put a shag foot on a cigar other than how it looks in the box. So, so closed foot is when the wrapper is longer than the binder and filler. And kind of, yeah, and encloses the, yeah. the binder and the filler. And then shag foot is when the binder and the filler stick out further than the wrapper. Yeah. Which yeah. is, uh, it looks like a uh, a broom. It's also harder to do than you would think just by looking at it. Like that's, oh, that's actually it. hard to roll. Yeah. yeah. So instead of our usual roasting first, we are going to just light the closed foot and taste it the way that he has asked us to and see how we like it. Oh, that's interesting. I think I know why he wanted to, us to do that. Because that wrapper, to me, it tastes like Oily ground beef mixed with chili powder. <laughs> nice. Right? Yeah. Like, it It really does taste like taco meat almost. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. That's very cool. All right, well, that is burned off, but the cigar is not lit, and so we are going to proceed with our toasting. And as always, we remind you to toast your cigar. Don't roast it. Toasted, not roasted. Toasted, not roasted. Toasted, not roasted. It's toasted. Thanks for the rescue light. As usual, my lighter decided to work perfectly right up until the podcast recording. It happens to the best of us. Yeah, but it happens to me more. <laughs> uh, Maybe you're the best, best of us. I'm the best of the best, clearly, based on my lighter performance. All right, so I've got a few draws there. That's really interesting. So I think uh, for me, the... The positive and the negative of tasting the wrapper first. 
the positive is it feels like a sneak preview to me. The negative is it's far more flavorful than the first draw on the cigar. So my initial tasting notes are really, there is some pepper. You can tell there's Nicaraguan tobacco in here. Um, but it's very much a wood flavor, kind of a flat wood flavor. Um, and chalk. I'm going to say dry wood and chalk. Yeah. Um, is kind of how it tastes yeah. to me. I think it's like a, you know, you're you're watching a choir and you got that one guy that or gal that comes up and does their little solo bit. Mm-hmm. That was the first part of the rapper. Right. And then they like step back into the rest of the choir and they, you know, they all do their thing. And it's like, all right, this is the body now. This is with mm-hmm. the with the filler and the binder lit. So it's a uh, yeah that that standout star was the rapper in the beginning, but then it kind of eases back with the the rest of the cigar. And I feel like it's going to, uh, I feel like it's going to come to the forefront as the cigar smokes down. And the reason I'm saying that is I've smoked quite a few of these, and that's what happens. So hashtag spoiler alert. Uh, I will let you guys know as we smoke this not live. Uh, how this particular stick turns out, but after smoking half a dozen of them, um, that's been my experience. As you say, it's it's no secret between the two of us that we thoroughly enjoy this cigar. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is absolutely on my uh, probably weekly smoke list. Yeah, at the price. Yeah, well, we'll get into that later, I guess. Right? Yeah. Well, we will gauge it on its price, but at nine fifty for a six by fifty Toro. This is... Uh, with this flavor. With this flavor. Yeah. This is a phenomenal smoke at this price point. Yeah. Uh, it really... Like, you can go through... There's there's fucking, like, uh, infused cigars that sell at this price point, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and here you're getting a very nice flavor. If you like robust flavor, you know, the Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper adds some of that um, kind of uh, mellow spice element spice rack element that uh you would expect kind of from sumatra and then the double nicaraguan binder and filler you know it's it's robust nicaragua is growing some amazing tobacco right now and you can taste it in this stick for sure so nick tell me your thoughts on the flavor at this point this is this is sweet yep i get a little sweetness out of this cigar i don't know if it's me if it's my weird tasting but this like earthy sweetness yeah, yeah, that's a good call. From the Sumatran wrapper is just, um, it's like a, it's like maybe a s'more that you dropped in the dirt. Yeah. You know, you got a little bit of dirt still on there, but you love the chocolate, you love the marshmallow, you love the graham cracker. Yeah. You're still going to eat that shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I think, um, I think I shy away from the term sweet because there are sweetened cigars. Mm-hmm. And that's probably just me being a little condescending to our audience, but... I think that's a great call. Yeah, this is like a, uh, you know, you're on a camping trip and you drop your s'more in the dirt yeah. and you lick it up anyway. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there is, there is a sweet flavor there. Um, and it has, I, it's hard to explain, but I would call it a dry flavor. Like To me, it tastes like dry wood, dry chalk, um, dry graham cracker, you know. Does it, is it, is it the taste for you or does it also have that effect on your palate? Like does it, is it a drying effect, or is no, it just a drying taste? It's just the taste. Yeah. It tastes like dry materials, if that makes sense. I, I'm not sure exactly how to how to say it, but that's how it tastes to me. And I would peg peg this uh, initially as mid full. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think you're. I think you're. Uh, you're right on the mark with that. Mid full. Definitely uh, not too like we did the we did you know blackened, right? Um, and we did the the Miami, and I think this is like lighter than the two of those. Yeah, not only optically but in terms of, of power and strength. Um, but this isn't this isn't a Connecticut shade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this has got a little bit of kick to it. Yeah, in terms of the robustness of the flavor, I think this is already this already exceeds the M eighty one easily. Um, and while it's not as strong as the Herrera Esteli Miami, um, it does have probably a first and second and third flavor that play well together. 
and uh, it's just really enjoyable. You know, as you kind of chew the smoke, the retrohale adds another element. You know, you can really play with this smoke, even just one inch in like I am, and uh, have a, a really great time. I, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I freaking love this cigar, man. He just came out with a, a series called The Breakfast Taco, which I think is hilarious. Interesting. And it's a, it's a bunch of little uh, like petite perfectos, like petite salmones. Nice. Um, <clears throat> and they make the one in this wrapper, one in the carnitas wrapper, and then one they actually have a Maduro. Um, but yeah, they're just like cute little, cute little street tacos that they're calling breakfast tacos. That's pretty cool. So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about Noel Rojas's journey from Cuba and uh, what he's up to these days? So Noel is a, um, like I should say, Rojas Cigars is based out of uh, Nicaragua right now. I think he just actually opened his own factory, mm-hmm. which is... Um, Rojas Cigar Factory. Rojas Cigar Factory, right, which is a, a part of what we're going to get into later about vertical integration, not having to pay someone else to make your cigars for you. Right. Um, and he is, like you said, a, of Cuban descent, born in Cuba, and emigrated out of Cuba into, I believe, straight to Nicaragua, uh, but was a cigar roller in Cuba as a teenager. Yeah, and uh, I think one of the things that uh, Rojas brings to his craft. Yes, he was, you know, embedded in the industry, you know, and all of that. But he had ideas. Like he's really passionate about this, and it comes through in his product. They're unique. He has ideas like the small ring gauge only, um, and he's had a chance to sort of introduce cigars into uh, our experience, you know, in the cigar industry that are different stand out that are unique and is it is it fair to call rojas boutique yeah i think so yeah i I think so he has a so one of my favorite parts about rojas's brand is he has a kit with like 27 different bureaus Mm -hmm. that's like all right this is he says you know in this section we're going to smoke cigars from esteli right and it's like all right here's a you know a, a velado puro of the Corojo variety, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, here's this little cheroot thing that you can just taste, taste what this tastes like. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's no uh, like complexions to it. There's no fighting. Single leaf. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's like this is what that tastes like. And I love that. Yeah, and I think that kit runs a couple hundred bucks. Is that right? Mm-hmm. For our listeners out there, if you, you know, are really interested in kind of learning the base flavors that go into the blend Highly recommend. Uh, what a wonderful experience. You know, you've got your different regions um, and each little uh, little cigar is just from that region. And it can kind of help you as you're tasting your cigar like, hey, wait a minute. I think I'm tasting, you know, Esteli or another region of uh, tobacco. And of course, it doesn't get into all the complexity of aging and that sort of thing. But uh, this is kind of, it's kind of like a blender's uh, kit you yeah. know, for, for the common man or whatever. Because this is what blenders do is they'll take a leaf and roll it up and smoke it. And, right. Okay, maybe this goes with this other leaf. and It's like, I mean, it's ingredients to a, a meal, a cake, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's like the individual ingredients. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty cool. And, and it's just another example of he has his ear to the ground you know, what is missing in the industry? And then he just does it. You know, you can't get that from other companies. Yeah, and I think uh, he talks about the sophisticated consumer, mm-hmm. which is an interesting, I think, like, uh, maybe 21st century concept because mm-hmm. of the flow of information that we get. Right. Um, and he so he asks, in, in one of my favorite interviews that he does, he asks Brian Desen of, of Provada Cigar, What's your, you know, what's one of your favorite cigars? Why do you like it, right? What flavors do you get? And then he says, what tobaccos give you those flavors? And that's like the whoa. Right. Like, I have no idea. And so this kit then, you know, and the way he does this thing really helps bring that to light. Yeah. Yeah, he's got uh, some multimedia as well, right? There's some videos and uh, online uh resources to help you know what you're doing and 
and enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I think that uh, he's kind of blending the best of old school hand rolled cigars, premium cigars with new school technology and mindset and that sort of thing. I love it because I'm a cigar nerd and this has been my hobby for quite some time. And, uh, you know, 20 years ago, the companies played their cards pretty close to the vest. You know, it was much more common to have proprietary blend, you know, and now they're telling you like, here's the microclimate in the country, you know, and here's everything we did to it. We watered it with pH nine water. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, which is cool, you know. It's awesome. I think uh, it en- it enhances my experience smoking it's, cigars. Steve Sock is a big one uh, of Dunbarton Tobacco. He does that too, where he's like, "This is this is uh, you know Habano ninety two or you know Corojo ninety two Seiko right. two leaves, right? Two leaves in the filler of that, and then he just tells you like exactly what it is. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, and also uh, kind of getting a window, you know, a little peek into the craft and craftsmanship that goes into what you're doing. And that is the new uh, method for consumer products. When I was a kid, a Nike ID was a big thing. Oh, yeah. You could, like, build your own Nike shoe. Yeah, when I was in college, I remember that. (laughs) Yeah, when I was eight eight and John was a senior. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, so I think mixing um, traditional, old-school, beautiful, delicious smokes with you know, the informed and intelligent consumer and uh, helping us enjoy the craft more. I think it's a great thing. And clearly he knows what he's doing based on uh, what we're smoking today and some of his other product offerings. So we're uh, a good, uh, I don't know, I'm about uh, 30 millimeters into my uh, cigar right now. I'll say that the uh, pepper has picked up a little bit. Um, I'm still like the carrier note, I call it, which is like the main flavor, is still like chalky wood. Um, There's some like dry coffee grounds in there. And I keep adding dry to all of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These flavors. uh, But it's still not a, it still doesn't have a drying effect. It's just a drying flavor. Yeah, it's like a flavor of uh, dry components. But the cigar is not dry and the smoke is not dry. It's just uh, flavor notes that I'm talking about. Yeah, because, you know, like, wet wood smells different than right. sawdust. Right. Dry sawdust, yeah. Right. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And with that, it is time for our tobacconist tip of the week. Nick, take it away. And now, your tobacconist tip of the week with Nicholas McCann. Hi, everyone. My tobacconist tip of the week this week is that you don't have to use a humidor, a traditional cedar humidor box looking thing to store your cigars. You can actually use other things. A couple of other things that work are um, food grade Ziploc bags that seal, Tupperware containers that are, uh, you know, weather seal. They're food grade. You know, they don't, you brought up a good point about them breathing, letting them breathe. That's a good point. You have to open it. You will have to open it from time to time. You can't just shut it in there and not. But um, to say that you need a wood cedar humidor to store your cigars is incorrect. Um, there are alternatives, so don't feel like if you don't want to maybe make a commitment to a you know a box humidor, five hundred thousand dollar commitment. <clears throat> yeah, and the uh, as well as the good old fashioned herfador, the herf, yep, which is basically a Tupperware container that looks cool and that you can take with you to the cigar shop. Yeah, super durable travel case. Yeah, yeah, keep a couple cigars in there with a small boveda pack. Yeah, it's all, I mean, these are all viable options to store your cigars. Um, You don't have to spend the big bucks on a cedar-lined humidor to get that that same effect of, you know, proper care and storage. Yeah, I think a couple of things there. You know, if you're not uh, buying cigars and holding them, uh, there's not really a purpose for a humidor. Now, I have a humidor that uh, I store collectibles in. Yeah. Right. I have some cigars I'm saving. And I have a humidor for cigars I'm going to smoke. And some of them are, for example, the fresh rolled cigars that uh, Francisco rolled for me the other week. I'm going to, I've got to keep them to age. And there's other cigars I'll buy that, uh, 
you know, the Magic Toast by Alec Bradley, for example, I have to leave that in my humidor for three months because it tastes different and it's a much better cigar. I don't know why, but it is. Um, but most of my other cigars I buy and smoke. And they rarely last longer than three days or a week. So yeah. there's no reason to have a humidor. The benefits of a humidor are you can put your cigars in there, maintain your humidity. It is breathable already. Uh, and you can leave your cigars in there for a while. The downside is there is a cost and there is some maintenance. Yeah, the, se- sure. the seasoning bit, right? You're making sure you yeah. do that right. You don't want to warp the wood and overhumidify it. Which you, I don't. <clears throat> I don't. Hu- I don't season my humidor. That's a story for another time. Shh, it's a secret. Well, it's a, it's a pain in the ass, and it always ends up like mildewing, no matter how much you distill the water. But anyway. Uh, the downsides of plastic is it's not breathable. So it does take some maintenance. Like you got to open it up, you know, from time to time and let that air circulate. But that can be as easy as a, an evening ritual. You know, I'm going to go watch my latest episode of Yellowstone. While I'm doing that, I'm going to open the top and uh, let the air circulate a little bit. Shout out to Stolen Throne Cigars. Stolen Throne apparently made the cigars for Yellowstone. Shout out to Stolen Throne. I haven't seen any cigars in that show. I mean, if we're being honest, my wife's really watching it, and I'm there for moral support. <laughs> wow, she likes like, her uh, likes her cowboys. That's I, why she's with me. So I feel like that's yeah, I feel like that's right up your alley. Yeah, that genre. Well, I mean, uh, the acting is really good. The uh, characters are interesting, but the story and plotline are just god. Like they've got the the evil Indian who's like trying to take down the guy, and it's like, really, does this happen in real life? I mean, come on, man, you know. But that's just me. My willing suspension of disbelief has limits. So this is not a show about TV shows. This is a show about cigars. So thank you for that tobacconist tip of the week. And as we enjoy this Rojas Street Taco Barbacoa, I'm going to talk to you about the structure of the cigar industry. This is a topic that uh, a lot of cigar smokers are not well informed on. And so I wanted to take the time to educate all of us a little bit on what does the cigar industry look like? And to do that, we're going to take a tour first of what it takes to make a cigar. And then we're going to talk about some of the, uh, I guess, players in those different spaces. And then uh, we're going to wrap it up by talking about Cubans because um, Cuban cigars are a little bit different thanks to their uh, uh, national politics. Unique system of government. Yeah, unique system of government, we'll call it that. So, for starters, with your cigar, there is uh, the actual product, right? It requires growing tobacco, right? So, you have growing the tobacco leaf. And then you have the um, blending. So, this is the person that decides kind of how these leaves are going to go together or whatever. And it's, it's really similar to the master blender taster in a whiskey company or you know, the chief sommelier for a wine company. And then uh, you have the constructing of the cigar, right? So you have to have a cigar factory that, you know, takes leaves. Now, all of these different parts can merge together. So after you grow the leaves, you have to hang them up and dry them and age them. And then you put them in pilones and you age them further. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if a big chunk of the tobacco that we're smoking today is five or six years old from the time they put that seed in the ground. So, and, and then you have the factory that bunches the tobacco and then rolls it and then you end up with your cigar. And, you know, the different parts of, of that whole system uh, can be mushed together in different ways. So you have some factories that it is just a factory and different companies bring them finished tobacco and they make cigars. You have farms that also age, and you have farms that don't. Right. And you have aging rooms attached to factories, yep. and you have aging rooms that stand alone. Yep. Um, so all of this can be chopped up in a lot of different ways. And like most businesses, there is a spectrum from 100% outsourcing to full vertical integration. Yeah. So one company that is fully integrated is uh, Perdomo. They even make their own bands and boxes. Nice. They make their own hybrid seeds. They have their farms. Everything from soup to nuts, uh, vertically integrated. Soup to nuts. 
I think AJ's AJ Fernandez is one of them too. Um, I believe so. They yeah. do they do a really really good job. And honestly, it can. I mean, I, I I hate to speak about it like I I am down there and I know exactly what's going on, but it can affect price. Mm-hmm. Like having to having all right, you know, let's grow the tobacco here and you know X country X city, and then harvest it and ship it a thousand miles to the next place. Right. Right. Get someone else to bunch it. Right. Right. Or you know, age it or whatever. And then ship it to another place where they bunch it and roll it and they press it. But, oh, wait, we have the cigars ready, and now we need someone to make the boxes for us. Like, well, I think this is one reason why Perdomo's price point is so competitive. Exactly. Yeah. By the way, that is a beautiful ash on that cigar. Thank you. Yeah, well done. I just dropped mine all, <laughs> over, all over the table. Dustbuster to the rescue. Shout out to Black & Decker. Hashtag not sponsored. So, um... That's kind of the the physical product. Now, you also have the business side, right? And don't forget, you have to have boxes and you have to have bands. And those are things that, you know, maybe a cigar uh, company like a tobacco farmer might not be good at, right? So you have those elements. And then you have distribution. You have branding. You have pricing. You have business management, right? All of the other things. And so a a good analogy, uh, I think, for us would be a somebody that does drywall right so you you have a tradesman and he does drywall and he might be really damn good at it but he might not be good at the business side and this is why you know some craftsmen go out of business they don't know how to price they don't know how to be competitive in the space even a customer relations i guess right customer relations sales you know we've probably all met that specialist who was really good at plumbing but you didn't want him in your home because he was a grouch right? right There he he was dressed, you know whatever he he didn't dress well enough. He dressed you know he had holes in his shirt and whatever. I mean, there's a reason that plumbers crack is a thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It actually exists, people. So those are all uh, elements of putting a cigar in my mouth and enjoying it. Right? All of that has to happen. So I'm going to go out on a business limb here. And talk about the two things that confuse consumers, I think, the most in the cigar industry. And that would be business management and branding, right? So brand is an interesting concept because you can have a registered brand, a registered trademark, something like that. But a brand is really the customer experience. And it is uh, not a physical thing. So an example would be you have the Ford Explorer, Right, everybody's probably heard of that. Well, Ford is a brand. It is also a company, but there is an, I guess, a collection of emotions and experiences Ford wants you to have when you see the Ford logo. That's their brand. But Explorer is also a brand. It's associated with the outdoor lifestyle, Eddie Bauer, you know, all of this stuff. So you have a brand owned by a brand, which is also a company, right? So in the cigar industry, we are smoking the Rojas Street Taco Barbacoa, for example, right? That's the actual model. That's the cigar we're smoking. The Barbacoa is like the um, characteristics of the cigar, the uh, particular blend, right? right? And the Street Taco is a brand of... Rojas. Yep. Uh, Rojas wants to have a brand for Rojas as well. Yeah. Now, we know this because you take Davidoff cigars. How do you think of Davidoff compared to Perdomo? Uh, I mean, <clears throat> um, the first thing is, is you know, Davidoff tend to have a higher price point. Mm-hmm. Um, from a retailer's perspective, Davidoff encourages you very strongly to have its own section of your humidor, mm-hmm. right? So they make these things that they would like you to buy um, that like they install. It's a big white Davidoff humidor pretty much. Right. Um, Perdomo doesn't quite beg for that. Not beg. Ask. Demand. Dis- demand. Let's, just, right. let's yeah. use the right word here. Yeah. Uh, like Davidoff is high end, luxury, expensive. Perdomo is more blue-collar, everyday smoke, accessible, affordable, right? I was trying not to let my, my retailer side bias get in the way of 
whatever you're asking me. So I'm sorry I didn't deliver. No, but uh, you know the retailer's perspective is going to be different from the consumer. But you know, so uh, brand perception, right? That that's the difference in brand, right? And so as we smoke cigars, we can confuse brands with companies, right? And then uh, that kind of dovetails nicely into the business management side of the cigar industry. So all of the things that it takes to bring a cigar to market can be chopped up and done by different people, different companies, different registered businesses. And you know because you know if you're buying from a cigar company to stock the humidor, you know, you're not writing a check to the company that we associate with this cigar. They're actually registered under a different name, right? So Padron, for example, you're not writing a, trek, a check to per Padron Company, right? They have a different registered business name. Um, yeah, Drew Estates. Drew Estates, um, I think they go by Drew Estate DBA. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A DBA or doing business as is the brand name of the company, but it could be John and Nick LLC doing business as Burnline Podcast. Right. In which case, you might write the check out to Burnline DBA if you choose to sponsor this show, which we highly recommend. So um, let me talk through a little bit about who owns what in the industry. So, of course, you have growers, like we mentioned, and agers and factories and distribution. Um, let's start with uh, some of the big cigar companies. This is the business management side, right? Uh, boutique blends cigars. They're out of Jacksonville, right? Um, if you've ever heard of Habana Cuba Company, that's what they used to be known as. Um, so they produce hand-rolled cigars. They're not that old. Uh, 1996. Um, if you've heard of Oliveros brand, yeah. How about uh, Aging Room? Absolutely, yeah. These are. Uh, well, should I spoil it? Go ahead. These are all under the Altidus uh, brand yes. of cigars. So all of those are made by Boutique Blend Cigars. Boutique Blend Cigars is uh, owned by Altidus. Altidus is owned by Imperial. Man. So Imperial Cigar is the largest cigar company, management company in the world. Um, of course, they're out of the UK. So their revenue last year was... Uh, over $41 billion. Oh, my God. A big chunk of the market cap. Jeez. Um, so Imperial Brands. And uh, basically, they own sub-brands. And, uh, yeah, so let's let's do this real quick. All right. Imperial Brands is the top. Then Altidus. Then Aging Room. No, then Boutique. Then Boutique Blends. Which makes Aging Room. Which makes Aging Room. <clears throat> which is... So then it gets confusing, right? Then under Aging Room is Master Blender, mm-hmm. Rafael Nadal. Mm-hmm. Under Nadal is a, a brand within Aging Room. Right. Uh, Quattro, Nicaragua. Quattro. Yep. And then the size, the blend, the shape. Right. All that stuff. The so Vitola, it's like, a, it's like an eight-tier. Yes. Uh, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. And it's fairly typical. And one of the reasons for um, cigar companies being bought up by bigger companies, being bought up by bigger companies, has to do with um, the amount of skill and resources and money that goes into bringing these products to market. You have to have a legal team. Hate to say it, but uh, you do. Um, Especially with this this product. With this product, yeah. yep. And you have to have distribution. Um, you know, when we're, we're talking about dis- distributing product, you might think it's as easy as you know, loading up UPS. Well, maybe when the cigars make that, we call it white glove or final mile, you know, from a distribution center in the U.S. to Union Cigar Hanover, for example. But how do you get millions of cigars out of Nicaragua? Right. Well, shipping containers. Across Nicaraguan borders into United States borders. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they they typically uh, go by ocean. It's a lot faster than trying to go overland. And you're much less likely to get hijacked. Unless you are an oil tanker near Iran, but we won't get into that. And then there's and the, and you know not even to mention there's the sustainability of how do we treat the cigars when they're 
sure, on, yeah. on the ship. Yeah. You know, like who do we need to talk to right. to make sure that we're doing this correctly? Yeah, it's like a, you know, even another uh, another cog in the machine. You know, another step in the process. And a lot of your smaller and boutique brands will share transportation with a large brand. There's a lot of uh, collaboration that goes on in the industry. Um, in 2022, the ninth largest cigar company was Arturo Fuente, and they're headquartered in Tampa, Florida. Their revenue was uh, half a billion dollars. So they're famous for Ashton and Arturo Fuente, of course. Um, very old, right? Uh, 1912, I think, originally Cuban. Um, yeah. And uh, they're continuing to produce some really good cigars. Of course, I think we're familiar with the flagship Opus X. Opus X, Hemingway, Don right. Carlos. Now, uh, Fuente is not owned by J.C. Newman, although you'll hear that rumor. Right. Uh, they do have a production agreement yeah. with Newman. So this is the sharing thing we it talked gets, about. It just it gets so funny and complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Fuente will produce cigars for Newman when Newman can't meet demand, and Newman will produce cigars for Fuente when Fuente can't meet demand. Um, so they sort of share factories, but it's a collaboration agreement. It's yeah. not an ownership structure. Right. They're like, they're like, all right, let's pool our resources and help each other out when we need to. Right. But then, and I might be getting ahead of, of where you're going, so just let me know. But then Fuente is sold under Newman. The, their distribution. Yeah, that's correct. United States distribution for Fuente is J.C. Newman. Yes. And J.C. Newman also distributes its own stuff. Yeah. So Fuente might make the cigar mm -hmm. for J.C. Newman, but then J.C. Newman's the entity that distributes and sells it. And some Fuente cigars are made by Newman. Right, right, right. Yep. Now, uh, probably everybody has heard of General Cigar, right, uh, out of Richmond, Virginia. Um they're uh, not very high on the list, actually. They're what? Number eight. This is a shock. Well, the latest revenue numbers that I have, and this is by revenue, um, the latest numbers I have is 21, 2021, and they were uh, six and a half or, or 650 million. Um, so General Cigar, they've got some brands like uh, Ramon Iones, CAO, Cohiba, um, if you didn't know that American Cohiba that you're smoking right. is a general cigar. And not a Cuban. And not a Cuban. Yeah. Um, so those are the brands that are distributed by and owned by General Cigar. But guess what? Might be surprised to know General Cigar is also owned <laughs> by Scandinavian Tobacco Group. Uh, they acquired General in 2016. So you're smoking a Cohiba. It's a... Uh, Produced by, owned by General Cigar, which is owned by Scandinavian Tobacco Group. So layers on layers on layers. STG, STG also owns like uh, Sutliff, I believe. Yep. Which is a pipe tobacco brand. Um, so they're, and some of these, some of the companies too, they, they branch out into um, non-cigar production. So like, just as an example, right, some of them might make their own brand of humidors. Yeah. Or they might make their own brand of um, humidification or and cutters the, and lighters. Right. And the bigger you get, the more likely that they're involved in cigarette production as well. Yeah. Right. Um, just ahead of General is Otinger Davidoff, which we just called Davidoff here. Uh, they're headquartered in Basel, although there is a, a U.S. Uh, company. Um, so Davidoff, we all know about Davidoff. And then Davidoff has sub brands or brands that they own, like, um, Avo, like Avo, Camacho, um, what's the other one? Very, well, Very Otego is a different, a special one. They have Baccarat. Baccarat. They yeah, Very Otego. Uh, yeah. Has their, they distribute them. They have the, the, the Griffins, I think. Also Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill. Yep. Yep. Um, and they have uh, quite a lot of resources in the Dominican Republic. They have uh, plantations in Brazil. Um, and uh, it might not surprise you to learn that Davidoff 
is also owned. <laughs> and they are owned by Imperial Brands, who bought them in 2006. Right? So if you're smoking a uh, Avo, it's uh, produced and distributed by Davidoff, who is owned by uh, Imperial Brands. Right? So that brings us to uh, Altidus, right? At $1.3 billion in revenue, um, they're one of the big players that we know of. Um, they're uh, based out of Madrid, Spain, and they really they came to be uh, right at the turn of the millennium when Tabacalera and SEITA, the two companies, two largest tobacco companies in Spain and France, merged. Um, so Altidus, uh is very unique. Obviously, they sell, you know, some established brands like Don Diego, etc. Um, what are some Altidus cigars in the Union humidor? Uh, we carry uh, a good deal of Monte Cristos. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not Cuban, which is, I don't know if you're going to touch on this, but um, there are non-Cuban, you know, Monte Cristos and there are Cuban Monte Cristos, right? right? And you'll talk about Havanos later. Um, right. <clears throat> Romeo and Juliet's another one. Mm-hmm. Romeo y Julieta. Um, Trinidad, Aging Room, H. Upman um, are probably the five biggest names. Yep. So, and Altidus uh, USA is a subdivision of Altidus for the United States. Um, they also have uh, 800 JR Cigar, which is a very large online retailer. Yeah. Um, and general, general on CI, STG yep. on CI, I should say. Yep. So, um, that's Altidus. There are two unique uh, aspects of Altidus. Um, the first is that, surprise, they're owned by Imperial Brands. Yeah. So Altidus operates on their own, but they are a subsidiary of Imperial Brands, which, in case you haven't figured it out, is the big kahuna. Um, but the other thing is, and this is interesting, Altidus owns half of Habanos S.A., so Habanos SA, which we will kind of wrap the segment up talking about. Altidus International owns half of That's correct. Habanos SA, not Altidus USA. Correct. Right, right, right. Yes. Um, Habanos SA is the state-owned Cuban tobacco company. Um, so interesting. Um, they're half communist? I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. Altidus owns half of that. Right. So they're a, they're a little capitalist, right? Um, I, wonder if, I wonder if Habanos required them to... Like buy half the company for the the United States trademarks for yes, and we'll we'll talk about that when we talk about uh, Habanos and and how they operate. Um, Scandinavian Tobacco Group. I'm sure you're familiar with them. I'm sure our our listeners have heard of them because they're a big player. Um, they also own the online retail PipesAndCigars.com. Um, Pipes and Cigars, Cigars International, Cigar Bid. And I think it was 2018 they acquired Thompson Cigar. Yep, Thompson. So yep. that's a, a big one. Yeah. Um, so they have a CAO, Macanudo. Those are owned by Scandinavian Tobacco Group. Um, so they're a big player, again, over a billion dollars in revenue. Um, and then, of course, Swedish Match. This is one that uh, is a fairly large international company that uh, it, you know is less likely to be heard of. I think Um, they operate in 11 countries. They have over 6,000 employees. Um, And I think they produce uh, 1 billion cigars that are sold in the United States. Wow. However, these are, you know, Swedish Match is not known for premium hand-rolled cigars. They're known for uh, gas station cigars. Yeah. That's what we call them. So yeah. like White Owl, Garcia, Garcia, yep. um, Garcia Vega, those sorts of things. But they make a lot of money and they're a big player and they consume a lot of tobacco. I was going to say, that's a, that's a very important part that I don't think people realize. Nick Melillo actually, uh, I heard this from him, but the largest buyer of Connecticut Broadleaf in the world is Backwoods. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Yep. And, and that puts pressure on those people that make the premium hand-rolled cigars that we like yeah. to consume. Right. right. Um, all right, so top three. Swisher out of Jacksonville, Florida. 
their revenue in 21 was 2.3 billion. Um, so Swisher is famous for Swisher Sweets, obviously. That's their sort of flagship brand. Um, they're, uh, I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure that in the United States, the um, top two brands that they sell together, which would be the Swisher Sweets Original and the Diamonds, um, they actually sell more of those than the next five best-selling large cigar brands combined. So they have a huge footprint in the United States. And uh, Swisher owns um, Swisher owns Drew Estate. Uh, so when you come in and you smoke your Kentucky Fire Cure, that's a brand owned by Drew Estate, which is owned by Swisher. And Drew Estate, like, I guess Drew Estate, so Altidus, right, separates Monte Cristo, H. Upman, Romeo and Juliet. And then Drew Estate, it's it's weird. Like, they could have Acid be its own brand, but instead it it's... It is its own brand. It is its own brand, but it's more of a line than a, a distinct company brand. But this is where confu- you know confusion around brand exists, which, yeah. by the way, companies do on purpose. Yeah. But just like the, the Toyota Tacoma... The Tacoma is a brand. I mean, taco for life, right? Mm-hmm. There's whole like internet communities, but it's a line of Toyota. Right. right. But Toyota has its own brand. Right. But then Toyota Trucks has its own brand yeah. because you know Toyota truck people, which you know I am, admittedly, right? Like, you drive a Camry, I drive a Forerunner. We're not in the same group. We are not alike, right? <laughs> we are not the same. Shout out to uh, Slim Shady. We are not alike. There's not alike. Um, All right. So let's wrap this up. Eastern Company out of Cairo, Egypt. They're actually number two, just a shade under a billion dollars. Not super relevant to the United States, but huge in Europe. And I think they might be like uh, number one in Europe. Um, So they're, you know, they're a big player in the sense that they monopolize a bunch of shit that everyone has to compete for. And right? it's so it's so F too, man. I like we're you know, I'm dealing with what 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 do people in Gettysburg buy mm. versus what do people what do the Hanover customers buy? Right. And these guys are like, oh, what's the difference between Bosnian customers and customers from Massachusetts? Right. You know, like right. what what's the difference between France and Luxembourg? Right. Like who who prefers what in what country? Yeah. And I'm over here like, oh, these stores are 30 minutes away. What's going on? <laughs> right, right. And, of course, the Big Kahuna is Imperial out of uh, England. And their uh, 2022 revenue was $41.5 billion. And they own pretty much everything. Um, of course, we're familiar with Altidus. We mentioned them. But uh, it seems like uh, out of these top 10, I think five of them are subsidiaries of Imperial which is uh, number one. Unreal. Yeah, 32,000 workers, 51 factories, 160 countries. I mean, they are the global 800-pound gorilla. Yeah. So that's the business management side. This is what owns the brands and distribution and everything that you're used to. So hopefully that sorts some uh, things out for our listeners. And I'll say one thing real quick. These are the guys that make the decisions. Correct. Right. And so shit gets discontinued. You love X brand, X cigar, and the way they made it 10 years ago. Right. But, you know, the board of directors, the stock, the shareholders, right? right? These are the guys that are making decisions. It's not the master blenders on the factory floor. Right. They're getting told what to do. Right. And and that's why uh, boutiques are so important because the boutique guys have more of an ability to call the shots for their own companies yes. than these big guys do. And reminds us of our episode on the Timeless, right, by Ferry Otega. Yeah. Right? Yep. Thanks, Altria. So um, let's talk, let's finish up by talking about Habanos SA. So Habanos SA is the state-owned company that uh, basically manages all of the cigars coming out of Cuba. So what... Uh, you know, is different about them is they're state-owned. You know, Cuba is a communist country. Their uh, 2022 revenue was half a billion dollars, so they're they're not super large. And, of course, it's a single island. Um, and they solely control the distribution, promotion, and export of Cuban cigars. 
They don't control the growing, the aging, the factories, or whatever. They kind of do because the state planners do determine what gets grown and how much, and there's quotas, right? Uh, this is part of the state budget, right? So um, Habanos SA was formed when Cuba Tarabaco and Altidas merged, 50-50 uh, split. Of course, there's the Monte Cristo, Romeo y Julieta, Cohiba, and all of those Cuban brands are different from the brands that you smoke in the United States. Same name brand, but the cigars are made with Cuban tobacco. There are probably upwards of 10 of those. Yeah, there, there's 10 quite to 15 a bit. probably, yeah, that have yeah. Americanized. Upman. Yeah. Boulevard. Uh, Partagas. Yeah. Yeah. All, all of these are Cuban brands that they kind of, they, they played off of the brand so they could sell cigars in the U.S., totally different it's not even close to being the same so i there's almost nothing else i can compare it to the closest i could come would be like you know if uh like harley davidson they sell a 350 cubic centimeter uh, liquid cooled street bike in china right i think it's called the xr350 or something that's an example like it has the harley davidson name it's not a harley it's completely different it's only sold in this other country um, they just borrowed the brand name. It's manufactured in China, you know, all of this stuff. That's probably the closest, like, comparison I can make. And it's not even, it's something that I've learned kind of recently is that it's not like um, the same Cohiba company has a half distribution in America, half with Habanos. Like, they are two completely different. The only, the only thing that's the same is the name. That's right. They're They're trying to play off of the brand. Right. It's piggybacking um, off of the yeah the reputation that's already been built. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're completely different experiences. So uh, one of the things that uh, I guess makes Habanos SA unique is because of the counterfeiting that happens with Cuban cigars, uh, Habanos SA always chooses one company to distribute their cigars to in any given country. Right. So in um, the United Kingdom, Hunter's Frankau has the agreement to distribute the cigars. Now, what they do with that internally to the UK, that's up to them. But Habanos will only send Cuban cigars to them. Like one point of entry. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then from there, it gets spread out. Inter Tabac in uh, Switzerland, for example. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how Habanos SA works. And of course, in the US, we don't get distribution of Cuban cigars because of the uh, embargo that we've had in place since the 60s. So that's uh, the cigar industry in a nutshell. So, Nick, why don't we return to this Rojas Street Taco barbacoa? And I'm about halfway done with my cigar. I've noticed yours has burned very well. Yeah, this has been elite construction. Mm -hmm. A 10 out of 10 experience. Something really that... uh I've really enjoyed watching John's kind of waver and wither. It's yours is actually doing pretty well right now. It's okay. Yeah. I'm doing more talking. Yeah. It's always hard to keep the cigar lit. But you've got this like inch and a quarter ash yeah. in a tray that I can like pinch and pick up. Yeah. And it's just gorgeous. Yeah. A lot of like white flake on there, which has to do with the aging. So it looks like it was aged well. Um tell me about your tasting now that we're well into the second third. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean um, I don't know about you. You can, you can comment on this, but uh, I'm not getting anything new that I've never tasted in the cigar before. Mm -hmm. So this is very, like as far as flavor consistency goes with the street taco, in my life experience, it has been um, as consistent as can be. There's nothing like you know, no weird pockets of bad yeah. flavor or anything like that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but like the, the the most predominant flavors I'm getting right now are like that dirt s'more that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, fresh cut grass, actually. There's like a little sweetness to um, grass that's fresh cut, the kind of that hits your nostrils, right? Um, and I'm getting a little, little, little bit of that. <clears throat> and then I'm also getting a lot of the woodsy notes. And I think you're, you you hit it too with the dry, the dry woodsy. Yeah, I think uh, the elements that have kind of uh, increased as I've gone along is the meaty, right? It has a meaty flavor now. And chili pepper, right? Not black pepper, not white pepper, uh, chili pepper, uh, which is kind of cool because 
street taco, right? Yeah, yeah, kinda, yeah. Kind of, kind of goes with it, yeah. right? Um, the carrier note is still dry wood. There's still some, there's still some chalk, but it's like creamy chalk now. Um, the only dry flavor, non non dry flavor. Yeah, right. Less dry chalk. Yeah, and uh, there's there's a little bit of coffee grounds in there, you know, and and agree. There's like an earthy, grassy, sweet, yeah, kind of uh, flavor as well. Very enjoyable, and they play well together. Right. This is not the kind of cigar where you have different tastes, like the Cohiba Weller. Right. Um, this is a single taste that you can break down if you're paying attention, like we do. Yeah. But they really play well together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is. Uh, like you know, we've 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 each smoked it, you know, probably in the teens, twenties yeah. of these in our in our collective experience, and it's the same every time. It's you know really consistent. Mm-hmm. Your draw is good. I'm I'm gonna imagine my draw is excellent. Yeah, draw is good. Smoke output is good. Yeah, it's not a smoke bomb, but the smoke is there. Yeah. It. Uh, the other thing is the the smoke is a little chewy, you know, which again with the street taco name it kind of goes, you know. So with that, I think it is time to rate this Rojas Street Taco Barbacoa 6x50 Toro. And uh, Nick, we'll start with you on presentation. What do you think about the presentation? Um, I love this maybe because I'm a a contrarian and I love shaking the industry up with like, you know, as the young child that I am, um, I, I give this a 10. I laugh in the face of those who say, you can't put this on a cigar. You can't put this band on a cigar. You can't put this branding on a cigar. And I mean, the cigar is gorgeous. You know, the the tobacco itself is is nearly flawless. All right. So presentation: the box is uh, eye catching but modest. The uh, sixteen cigars, interesting uh, count choice there. Um, in their cellophane wrappers, pretty uh, normal presentation. I think the. Uh, I think some folks walk past it because of the presentation. I give it a six. Um, I do like that it's different, but honestly, you know, like the first time I saw it, I assumed that it was like an infused cigar because it kind of has that vibe to it. Right. I eat this shit up. This is, I mean, this might be one of our, one of our biggest differences, but I love this stuff. All right. So moving on to price, uh, this cigar sells for nine fifty here at, uh, Union Cigar, Hanover, Pennsylvania, USA. Nick? Uh, a nine. I mean, this is... I mean, this cigar, you know, this cigar has a chance to go on my Mount Rushmore. Just all things <laughs> considered, you know? So, like, it, yeah, this, this is, is a nine. All my scores are going to be high. Yeah, I've got a nine for price as well. At uh, nine, <clears throat> $9.50 sub $10, you know, super competitive price point, and you're getting a great cigar for it. So I've got a nine there as well. Uh, moving on to construction, Nick. What have you got? Uh, this has been unbelievable. My my burn has been razor sharp. I've, I've, I'm going to finish this cigar with two ashes, right? So the first one I knocked off thirty uh, percent of the way through, and then this one I'm going to knock off probably eighty five percent of the way through. Um, no draw issues. Like this is the, honestly this is the perfect construction experience. This is a ten. 10 for Nick on construction. I've got a nine. Um, agree with everything you said. This is a well-constructed cigar, and I've smoked enough of these. They're all the same. They're mm-hmm. all superbly constructed. I don't know what uh, method they're using, Yeah. but one thing that I look for is the cap, and I have yet to have a cap that has a bubble in it. And that's one of the most common you know, construction issues. Um, and I give them a nine on construction. All right, moving on to flavor. Nick, what have you got for flavor? Um, as far as like a, a natural Colorado color, uh, Sumatran, you know, wrapper goes. Like there, I don't know. There are different flavor profiles. Profiles I expect with different wrappers, and I think that this one does the Ecuadorian Sumatra. Uh, a great deal of justice. Um, this is a, a nine. Nine for flavor, because it, I mean it doesn't Nick. it doesn't taste like a Maduro, right? It doesn't taste like a Connecticut. It's like it does what it's supposed to do very well. Yeah, I I've got it at a nine as well. So the flavor 
is coherent. It works well. It goes with the branding. Um, and it's delicious. This is just a delicious cigar. It might not be heavy enough for some people. Um, and Sumatran wrapper I've found has, uh, either you love it or you hate it kind of thing. I think this is probably the best presentation of a Sumatran wrapper, uh, that I've smoked. So I've got a nine, uh, for flavor as well. And then, uh, overall experience, Nick, the most subjective of our, uh, grading elements. So uh, this is interesting too, because like it goes along with the branding, the branding part of what you're saying. Like Noah Rojas, like what he does adds to the experience of the cigar. Mm-hmm. Right. So the fact that he makes that kit with the different, um, like puros, like the cheroots and whatever, like uh, small ring gauges only, right? A, a company theme, a company motto, right? I love that. The wrapper to, to fill a ratio. This is, I mean, this is a, it's a ten. So Nick has a ten for experience. I gave it a nine for experience. Um, agree. Like, so we talk about kind of where you can smoke a cigar. This is a very versatile cigar. You know, it's not a celebration cigar per se, but I would, uh, you know, the price point is right for going fishing or doing yard work. It's not too heavy. So you can do stuff while you're smoking it. It's absolutely delicious. You can have it after a meal, um, or at I'm, nine in the morning or at nine in the morning, <laughs> like we're doing. Um, it is strong enough. I'm not sure it's a breakfast cigar, like a, a before I've eaten kind of thing. Should have thought of that before I started the podcast. Um, but uh, very versatile and great experience and delicious. So I've got it at a nine. So my total score for the Rojas Street Taco Barbacoa is a 42. And Nick has got a 48. This is by by far the highest. By far the highest. Uh, That gives a a combined score of 45. Our previous high score uh, was a 42, and that was for the Herrera Esteli Miami. So we have a new uh, high score cigar, and at a price point that everybody can smoke. So get your butt down here to Union Cigar Hanover, pick up a street taco, and uh, come enjoy it, and let us know what you think. For Nick and I and Burnline Podcast, thank you for joining us this week. We will see you again next week. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) 